0: You're Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Rue, your host, so happy to bring you your team every day. To kick off NBA Finals Preview Week, that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it, I have on Chris Manning, who is the editor-in-chief of Fear the Sword and also the host of Locked On Cavs, so this is a Locked On crossover episode. We go for about 40 minutes on where we see the series going, different matchups, the history between the two teams, and it was a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Well, it's finally here. We get to talk about the the NBA Finals and and Chris, I'm going to kind of open the floor to you with where do you want to start in terms of this massive massive series? Let's start with for who I at least think is the most interesting
1: X factor in the series and that's Draymond Green. I I've thought about the series. I don't really know how the Cavs will defend him off the bat. My guess is that it has to be Tristan Thompson. But I wonder if Draymond with how well he shot um, in the playoffs so far. I mean, Disney shooting above forty percent from three so far after being below, like around thirty percent in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. And how well he can create and what he can do with a ball in his hands. I think that that's an interesting matchup for the Cavs, just because that's going to pull Tristan Thompson away from the glass. There are a number of other matchups that I think are going to be very important. Um, I think Kyrie's for sure going to start off defending Steph based on what he said at Monday's media availability. I think. I don't really know what the Cavs are going to do about defending KD. I think there's a non-zero chance LeBron starts on clay and just roams, which is a very interesting decision in its own right. But Draymond Green, to me, seems like the guy that, in in so many ways, is going to decide what the Cavs do because he's going to allow the Golden golden State to go small, especially if JaVale and Zaza struggle against the Cavs. Um, he's going to pull Tristan Thompson away from the basket and he's going to eat up Kevin Love post up because I assume he'll, on the other end, he's going to defend Love to start. So to me, Draymond Green seems like the guy in so many ways, like we seen him do the last couple of years, really, that's going to really cause the most problems for the Cavs, even though the Warriors have guys like KD and Steph Curry.
0: Draymond brings such a different element to the to the Warriors defense that I think he is a good place to start and his ability to be good on ball and also help is incredibly important in this series because Cleveland has guys that you have to help out on like that's the way that this series works and also Cleveland especially LeBron is such a good passer that you want to make sure you manage the angles but you brought up Draymond shooting he's shooting 47.2 percent from three so far in the playoffs. So like it's gonna be interesting to see how, how Cleveland uses that. And also something I wanted to ask you about is how do you feel how do you feel about Cleveland's help defense if Tristan is all the way out on Draymond Green in terms of the backside step? Because they can use LeBron, but that puts challenges in terms of depending on who he's guarding in terms of how you're gonna make that work.
1: I don't feel great about it. Um, I mean, I think the Cavs to win this series have to really clean up on the boards and they have to have play really, really good help defense. I don't think there's a way they beat Golden State again if they're not kind of clicking on both those ways. And Tristan's such a big part of that. You know, he's not a traditional rim protector, but he does a really good job of containing guys and altering shots at the very least. And if he's not there, if he's not uh, protecting the rim, if he's not in the paint and then there to gobble up boards – and, and him and Love against Boston were sensational on the boards. Like, they just killed Boston there. They need to do that again. And if he's not there, it's going to allow KD uh, Ways to attack the rim. It's going to give Curry the lane to attack the rim. And, yes, those are, like, two guys out of the five that are going to do that. And you may see And if Iguadala is at all useful like that, he could do that as well. But it, it puts a lot of pressure on, on the Cavs' defense. It puts a lot of pressure on Kevin Love to be there on rotations. It puts a lot of pressure on Kyrie Irving. And J.R. Smith, who at least put in initial efforts, or if they do get beat, at least it gives someone else another second to recover, and that's sort of why I think you may see LeBron on, on Clay because if they they just assume Tristan's going to get pulled out because of Draymond, and I do expect at least as long as Draymond's not hitting right away, you will see Tristan Thompson sag off of him a little bit. It makes me wonder if they're going to try to just have LeBron on Clay and betting on him being able to track him and recover if, when he needs to because that's going to happen. Clay's going to get open shots. I just wonder if they're going to bank on LeBron playing that sort of role, even if it's a lot riskier when he's roaming off Klay Thompson, as opposed to roaming off AJ Crowder or roaming off someone that someone else the Cavs have faced like a, like a Damari Carroll or someone like that.
0: That ties in with something that I, I've noted before in Cleveland's off season. I admit their defense has been way better than it was in the regular season for sure, but they've had these tactical advantages facing teams that have non-shooters. They have guys that they can, they can execute their scheme on, And the Warriors are similar in the fact that, you know, Draymond sometimes, but he can do well with the ball in his hands. Iguodala has been basically missing everything from three during the playoffs, but you don't like, just like with Draymond shooting 47%, you don't expect his struggles to continue. You know, it goes both ways. And that creates a new challenge for Cleveland because it, it takes away a way that they can recover and it's going to be harder for them to execute. Not impossible, but harder.
1: I think you're right about that, and I wonder if there's going to be some defensive changes from what we've seen because I can't imagine what they've done so far, and certainly they're like a lot more knowledgeable about that than me. But I can't imagine the the basis of what they're doing the trapping, the the blitzing, the ball handler, all of that stuff is exactly going to work the same way against Golden State. It's something you hit at. The Cavs have had strategic advantages in every series they've they've played so far. Against Indiana, they were very willing to let C.J. Miles and Jeff Teague and all these guys shoot. Against Toronto. They were very happy to let Norm Powell and, and, to an extent, Kyle Lowry that that he was out the rest of the series and and Damari Carroll and Jonas Valanciunas. They were very comfortable allowing them to shoot again when they. I think one of the reasons they lost Game Three, besides LeBron playing really bad against the Celtics, was that it was something different for them, and Marcus Smart just went supernova they they can't do that against Golden State. I don't think you can blitz and do all that stuff the same. There are no advantages there, especially when two of your five starters and two of your three best players are not locked down defensive guys. They're not guys that are going to at least dominate or at least hang in their own individual matchups unless everything is clicking. Yes, Kevin Love can do, I think, pretty well against Zaza, and I think he can do well against JaVale. I think Kyrie's in for like a, again, another tough series because he's gonna have to chase stuff around. He's got a deserved reputation for dying on screens, for getting beat off the ball. He has to mark Curry for most of the series. You have to mark guys like maybe Clay Thompson to an extent too. These are things that are just gonna happen, and I just wonder if how the cast can do that for four out of seven games. Even beyond that, like they, even if they lose a game, for it to be close, for it to be competitive, I think all these things have to break right for them it's going to be a challenge for them. It's going to be an adaption for them on the fly that I think, if it's going to look different in Game 1 for them, I think you, they have to make an adjustment even from that first quarter, that first half of Game 1, to the back half of that first game.
0: Adjustments are going to be such a huge part of this series just because teams this good, make sure that your primary things aren't going to work. You know, that's just the way it is. And we saw that a lot over the last couple of years. And a question I wanted to ask you was, who do you think is the second best Cav at defending Kevin Durant? And do you think that that whoever that player is, is going to draw a lot of minutes on him? Because to my eye, Cleveland doesn't have a lot of players that really fit that particular matchup.
1: No, I mean, they don't. They definitely only have one guy that physically can... Hang with him, and that's that's LeBron James. And I don't think they they really want LeBron being a defensive stopper in the series. Even though the, I think they'd be comfortable with Kyrie doing more um, on offense, I think they'd be fine with that. I also think you want LeBron being peak LeBron on both ends of the floor. And I think the best LeBron is probably not defending Kevin Durant to the full stop every possession down. So I think the other two guys, he, well, I think there's three guys they will try. I think... They will definitely use Jr. Smith, and that has its own set of risks, which are just sort of inherent because it's Jr. Smith. There's a big size difference, there's a skill level difference, etc. You, you will see him on Shumpert, I think, because they believe in Shumpert. Stevens Lou has praised it a couple times in the lead up to the finals. Has praised it throughout the playoffs. It's what got him minutes against Indiana and got got him back in the rotation. And I th- and I think they will use Richard Jefferson. I think the la- in the last series you saw R.J. back in that rotation ahead of chaining fry because I think they know they need RJ to defend. They need RJ to match the to match Golden State and to be able to switch. I, I come back a lot to that last possession of the Christmas Day game where Richard Jefferson was in a position to switch on to KD when LeBron got screened and couldn't get there in time. They need bits like that where they're not gonna be necessarily be able to get around a, a three, four screens or two, three screens, or just one screen in time, so you have to have Richard Jefferson who is he at least has the size and the frame and the, and the veteran savvy to be in the right spot. Like, yes, he, people will say he tripped him on Christmas Day, but at least he got there. And that, that is like half the battle of defending a shot against a guy in KD who's an incredible player, one of the three, two, three best players in the world. So I think you'll see a lot of Richard Jefferson. And I wonder if, too, as a result of that, you see the Cavs' rotation switch. We have seen RJ with those LeBron bench units. We've seen him in those spots, but I wonder if you do see him as the direct sub for LeBron James in ways we haven't necessarily seen it, I don't expect LeBron to rest a lot either. So I think maybe two, three minutes at the end of the first, um, we'll play the whole second. I think you could see him at some point just playing stretch after stretch after stretch, and then trying to get him rest in different ways. And some of that is probably pairing him with Richard Jefferson and getting him onto somebody else where he can at least roam for a little bit. So if Golden State goes away from Steph and, Goes away from Steph with KD in certain spots, and they can have him and RJ out there, and you can stick LeBron on Ian Clark or stick LeBron on a Sean Livingston. I think you'll see that as well. But then when it really matters, you probably get the the kind of old school one on one of Manu Imano, LeBron versus KD in the late part of the games.
0: Fatigue is also going to be a massive, massive part of this series. And it has been a kind of a difference in philosophy between these two teams during the playoffs, partially out of necessity to a point for the Warriors is that they haven't had to push their guys, you know, everybody's kind of hovering around the 35 minute average for the Warriors, but Lou has pushed his guys hard, but they haven't played many games, you know, four, four, five, so they haven't had to push it that hard. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how both teams handle this, especially if it ends up being a long series. And that'll be fascinating to see, you know, whether, not necessarily whether LeBron can keep it up because I'm convinced he can, but how Golden State handles it and also how it happens with the other guys. Like Tristan Thompson had a couple of games where he played more than 40 minutes against Boston.
1: Yeah, I think Tristan is fresher though than he might've been if he hadn't gotten hurt, which is a weird thing to say that getting hurt was a good thing for him when he got hurt at the end of the regular season. But I think that actually did him some good um I think him getting a couple of days off when he was looking very worn was really good and I, I do think you're gonna see him play you know maybe 40 minutes a game in this series I think there's gonna be times where he's playing where Kevin love might play just because of defensive and rebounding purposes uh and especially because the Warriors are gonna attack love in that sense I think you hit on something too with the minutes that's that's in key none of these neither of these teams are coming in having played a particularly brutal or hard series. One of the things that I, I do think benefited the Cavs last year, aside from the Curry injury, aside from from the Draymond suspension, I can't imagine that that OKC series last year, that where Clay had to save them in Game Six, and everything that happened in that series and just how grueling that series was, that didn't play a part in, in the Cavs having an advantage in the finals because Golden State had played just an incredibly difficult series against Russ and KD. And this year they come in having won all 12 of their playoff games and not really being particularly pushed, you know, aside for some spurts, right? Like, I I feel like they got to be fresher. At the same time, the Cavs are probably going to be fresh too, and that sort of means both teams are at their best in, in in just a basic sense. Like, I'm sure people are dinged up to an extent, right? Like, I think Darren Williams has a shoulder injury. But in, in the sense that Curry isn't hobbled this year. Um, is healthy. Like, I, he has no signs of the foot injury that he had as far as, as I know, and you know better than me. They're healthy. And I think that in a way probably favors Golden State. I know that it could get deep and things could change after a game or two. But to me, just the, them having that break and both teams being healthy, I, I think that probably gives Golden State an advantage. Whereas last year, Golden State coming in a little beat up, I think it, uh, played into the Cavs' hands a little bit.
0: And that ties in with one of the most Compelling reasons for this finals compared to the last two is that this is as close to full strength as you realistically ever see to start a series. You know, in, at this far in the playoffs, things happen. As you said, Darren Williams is a shoulder thing. I'm, I mean, Iguodala's been kneeling, dealing with knee soreness, all that sort of stuff. Those happen. You know, you're never going to see like a hundred health versus a hundred health. That's just not the way this ever works. But this is as close as we can ever get. And so that, it's, it's a, a, an interesting challenge for both coaches. And it also just intellectually, it means we're going to see the series that we both wanted to because, you know, Cavs fans can point back to Kyrie getting hurt in game one in 2015, Kevin Love not being there, and Warriors fans can point to everything that happened in 2016. So now, yeah, I'm sure something is going to happen in the series and that will be an unfortunate side plot to everything that happens. But, Here's hoping, here's hoping it doesn't happen. Here's hoping if it does, it's really, really late and it doesn't affect the outcome. But we can, we can really see these teams strength versus strength. And as we know with both of these teams, the regular season, which we have seen that once or twice, is very different from the playoffs. So we're going to see the best these teams have to bear for as long as we can. How much, Danny, do you actually
1: take away from the two regular season games? Because I've watched them both now. And there's just little bits that I do take away from them, but it's mostly from the Christmas day game.
0: Agreed. It's mostly the Christmas day game for me too. And I don't take much because both of these teams know that the regular season doesn't define really anything for them. And it was early enough that it wasn't like they really were cohesive. You know, I I know it's a big criticism that I have of just the way the league does it not Mm -hmm. to put a game on Christmas. They can do whatever the heck they want there, but to put the other game so soon because we never got to see either of these teams in their real final form. We saw it two times within a couple different weeks, and that's disappointing. And so for for me on Christmas, what it showed was, to, like in the first part of the game, how good the Warriors can be when they're on. I mean, I thought Cleveland, they were, they were fine. Defensively, they had a few problems early. But then the Warriors had that stagnation in the fourth quarter offensively, which really opened the door for Cleveland, and Cleveland did an amazing job pushing through it. And I think it was one of the templates that Cleveland can use to win games in this series.
1: I think you're right. I think to... I wonder what some of the line of changes are going to mean here. I mean, we see Corver, um as being a guy the Cavs, I think, are going to bank on. and I, But I wonder, too, like, is Golden State going kind to of face guard him the way other teams have? I can't imagine they necessarily will, depending on who's out there at least. You know, I, I wonder how Darren Williams impacts the second unit. Like, I there are certain just things that the Cavs are going to have to deal with. And I know you. this is something you've criticized him for, and I think it's very fair. They haven't gotten defensive personnel. Like, they went out and got Kyle Korver, who's an amazing shooter. Someone in Cleveland literally made a t-shirt of him shooting a a flame emoji because because of his shooting. And Cleveland t-shirt economy always wins. But, like, he's an offensive guy. Like, he's he's been good on defense in the playoffs, but he's not going to really hang if they need him to. With Darren Williams, it's the same thing. He's been an unbelievable upgrade over Matthew Dolavidova. In terms of running the second unit, and giving LeBron someone that can handle the ball with him on in the second quarter before Kyrie comes back. He's also not that good of a defensive player. So I wonder, too, if like some of the things the Cavs have to do is gonna go back to what we saw at the beginning of the regular season where maybe Iman Shumpert has to play a quasi-backup point guard role. Uh, maybe you have to play RJ more and maybe you don't see, maybe you don't see as many minutes for Corver or any training fry experimentation. Like, I wonder if we just end up going back to the beginning of the Cavs' season where they just have to kind of do with some of what they did in the 2015 finals and lean in on that defensive grindy personnel, um, in certain situations to try to make this work. But that also probably ends up being a losing game anyway, because I'm not sure Amon Shumpert is going to tilt you defensively in a way that's going to matter. And I I don't know if Benjen Korver, you know, yes, you maybe get a little better defensively, but you lose so much spacing with him there. And I think these are just questions that guys have that I don't know on the other side of things. What questions can they actually ask Golden State to make them uncomfortable? I think the LeBron-Kyrie pick and roll is going to be big. I think the the scoring with LeBron plus the bench unit is going to be really big. But what else can the Cavs do to Golden State and, and make them uncomfortable and that, that Golden State can't really solve or at least is going to have a problem solving?
0: Offensive rebounding—that's a, a big one, but it does pose tactical challenges because uh, while Tristan, if it's a one-man offensive rebounding, that can totally work. And when the Warriors go small, they get a little bit paranoid about that. They—they they can survive it. I mean, the, those lineups had terrible offensive rebounding numbers last year, the Draymond and center lineups, but they still killed everyone because they played good first shot defense and they're devastating in every other form of the game. But that might get Mike Brown off it a little bit. He has not been the most like aggressive in terms of playing the Draymond and center lineups. Just just like Steve Kerr wasn't it was the Warriors best lineup last year it was the best lineup two years ago it took them going down to one in the series to go to a full-time and they did that last year it was kind of in fits and starts partially because various guys were hurt so I think that's the other big one that Cleveland can do and it's a, it's kind of a basic point but just forcing turnovers I mean the Warriors are not a great team at being responsible with the ball and it's a challenge to force turnovers on the Warriors, but they also make a lot of unforced errors. And so whether they can kind of get the Warriors to spiral on that could be another another thing that they can push.
1: I, I, I think that's true, too, because the Cavs in games against Boston did a really nice job, I thought, of getting out in transition. It's a different thing against Golden State. Um, it's a little different when you have that offense as opposed to Marcus Smart and and Terry year making these decisions, but I, I think it's true. And I, the offensive rebranding thing becomes really interesting to me because I don't know what the Cavs' counter this year will be to the Draymond at center lineup. I almost wonder if this is where we go back to the Cavs using the LeBron at center lineup. I wonder if this is where they go back to LeBron being probably the best overall match for Draymond. Um, Ian Levy from the sideback wrote a great piece about them being two sides of the same coin. Like, I wonder if that's what you have to do. But then if you do that and you go with something like Kyrie, J.R. Smith, Shumpert, Jefferson, and LeBron at the five, you lose something there because it puts a lot of pressure on LeBron to be that dominant rebounding force there. It puts a lot of pressure on Richard Jefferson, who, who, if you look at the numbers last year, was a great rebounder in the finals, has not really rebounded at all this year. And yeah, they haven't asked him to, and it's a different role, but he, he hasn't rebounded in a meaningful way. That takes away an advantage for the Cavs. And yeah, you can match Golden State better that way, the personnel matches better, but then you're playing Golden State's game anyway, so I wonder if you almost just have to, to ride with Thompson or or Love in certain stretches at the five.
0: Yeah, I think at a certain point, Cleveland just needs to play to their strengths. This is kind of a story of the Warriors the last couple of years is that if you try to be like them, you're probably going to lose. And I I think back to when Portland tried to go small. Granted, they did it out of necessity because Nurkic was out, which was disappointing. But that, generally speaking, and the Rockets periodically would try to do that, not this year because they didn't play, but two years ago and the year before that. And so that's going to be worth watching too. Like does Cleveland try to counter it? And I mean, obviously they have LeBron James, so they can do, they can make an advantage, but I want to go back a little bit to the Corver thing because Cleveland has a lot of these guys that are really good at, they're, they're good at executing in the team concept. They're not necessarily the best one-on-one defenders or all those traditional things, but they can do what the team wants them to. They can do the scouting report. If they need to push a guy to his right side, if they want to push him to the baseline, they can do that. And that ties in with the Warriors because it's how often are the Warriors going to make them pay for having guys who can execute that part of it, but not the bigger scope thing. So will they go, you know, like will Lou be able to steal minutes for these guys for like Lou or for for Jaron and for Kyle Korver and maybe even for Channing Fry? When the Warriors are in some of their suboptimal lineups, or will they just go, hey, we can play all of our guys 40 minutes a game. There's no reason we have to go to these second unit, beginning of the second, beginning of the fourth quarter lineups that Cleveland can absolutely smoke.
1: I think you will definitely see the Cavs go to those bench lineups because I do think they like some of what those guys provide. I do think they like getting love and... Love and Thompson, who is now kind of part of those lineups again after after kind of not being part of them for most of this year, a reason why they weren't as good. And Kyrie, I think they like getting those guys little breaks. But I think it's it's probably good for them. I think for Kyrie, if he's going to be running through screens and chasing around Steph and also having to score and up just evenly play with Steph on the other end, um, I, I think he's going to need those little breaks to kind of to keep him fresh. So I, th- I think you still will see those guys. I I think you probably will eventually see some trimming, though. I can't imagine Channing Fry is actually very playable in the finals. I, I just can't see it. I you know I think, well, him I, think he,
0: I think he's playable if the Warriors are having David West at center. I think right. they can you they can if they want to. But Lou last year didn't even use that very much, and I thought the lineups were more favorable for him then.
1: Yeah, and I think like he played what seven eight minutes in the whole final something like incredibly something incredibly like that, small.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, like,
1: I could, you know, I could see them if things get weird, you know, maybe trying him against Javel, because I think you could, if you're gonna make Javel come outside, like, you can torch him that way. But at the other end, Fry is gonna get, like, I don't think Javel's, like, that good, but he's actually good at rim running. Like, he's good at the one thing, and that's rim running, and that's something Fry is gonna do really, be really bad at defending. Um, I, th- I think that's something you need to watch. So I think you do see trimming of those guys. And I, I do kind of think Lou like Lou likes Shumpert more than like most people on Cavs' Twitter seem to. Because um, he like believes in that defense. I think you'll see Darren. I think you'll see Shump. I think you'll see RJ. And I think you'll see Korver. But I wonder, if you start cutting guys, it probably goes down to eight guys. Because I do think he wants to play that bench lineup. I do think he's going to want to keep those guys in and keep Kyrie fresh for the fourth. Because um, I, I don't think the Cavs think... And that you can't prepare this way, but I think they know that if they're going to win this series, they're going to have to win these games late. They're not going to win these games, you know, most likely, unless you have some of the games like 5-6 last year where they're going to blow them out. Like I don't think they're planning for that. I think they're planning on these games being really battles of attrition and and banking on Kyrie, banking on LeBron James late in these games and keeping it close and keeping those guys fresh for those specific moments. I think they're banking on those late game possessions kind of tilting in their favor and you know i think the every team should sort of think that these games are going to be close you can't plan on blowing teams out you may want to but you like can't plan for that i think that's where they're going to get to and i think for at least to start lose best strategy for that and his best mindset in that is going to be key let's keep kyrie fresh for that let's keep jr smith fresh for those moments and that's going to involve playing those guys but i wonder who you cut first i wonder if i don't know how you feel about this but I feel like you can probably get away with Corver on Iguadala, maybe Ian Clark, but I wonder who you would cut first out of those nine guys because I think they all have their own specific set of value against Golden State, even if there are some obvious cons to them as well.
0: It's tough because all, as you said, all of them have strengths and all of them have weaknesses. I think that RJ is probably going to be a central part of it just because you need somebody on Durant that doesn't give you panic every second of of the game, and I think Corver on KD is just untenable. You know, it just, it just doesn't work, yeah, so no. So that means that means there's a spot for Jefferson, uh, and I think that he's there. Corver, I think Corver could be squeezed, but I think they might just. It's, it's going to be why Stephen Curry is is really to me the central figure of the series. Is can the Warriors f- force the Cavs to basically play Amon Schumard or other more capable defensive players on him? Because if he can't, if they can, then that changes the way Cleveland scores. And to me, the way that Cleveland wins this series is offensively. So if they can really strike those balances and make the offense the offense centric guys unplayable then it play it kind of plays into their hands it gets into a series doing it that way but then of course you talk about how then cleveland can slow it down and get into all that sort of stuff so i i love this series because there's there's just so many elements and because both of these teams have weaknesses that are sometimes hard to exploit but that these teams have the personnel to actually do it.
1: Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Now. I think you see the Cavs having some things they can do. Like they can attack Curry on defense in a way that f- like few other teams can because of the pick and rolls they're going to run. And you know, even if Curry, I don't, I don't know how what Golden State will exactly do, but I would imagine Curry is going to start on Jr. Like they're not going to. And, and I know you've mentioned this to me before that Curry likes to defend the opposing point guard. But I can't imagine that Curry's not going to at least be on JR some of the time. the Cavs are going to do what they've done the last couple of rounds and use off sc- off ball screens to get the smaller guy, the Isaiah Thomas, the whoever they want to target into the pick and roll and onto Kyrie. They're going to do that, so you're going to see that. And, and I think it's something that is essential to the Cavs' strategy. On the other side, you know, Golden State can attack the Cavs in ways and move the ball in ways that it seems destined to torch the Cavs' defense. Draymond presents so many problems. Um, And KD, just in his own right, he gives the Warriors a dimension that I think may ultimately be the tipping factor in this series. Whoever the Cavs have on him, whoever they use, he can attack an iso and on his own in a way that the Warriors didn't have last year when things got really sticky and things got tough. Harrison Barnes, like it's the the KD is a replacement of Harrison Barnes thing is not like a perfect description of it. But in terms of just having that guy on the floor that can go off the ball and can score on LeBron and can score on whoever the Cavs throw at him, that's just something that I think ultimately is going to pull LeBron for the Cavs. The Cavs haven't had a guy yet. Paul George, to an extent. DeRozan had the one game, but Boston didn't have anybody. that can just is going to get buckets on them one-on-one. Curry can certainly do it too, but I think KD is just this variable that I just wonder how the Cavs ultimately count for that. Because I just can't imagine with how well KD is set up in that Golden State offense that the Cavs are ever going to have a game where they're going to contain him. Even the Christmas Day game, that game, the the game the Cavs won of the two regular season matchups, it was really close. KD was unbelievable, and the Cavs sort of were in this position where they had to get a little lucky in the end of the game and for Curry to have a really bad game. So it's just these things that I think Golden State ultimately... Just has these advantages, and I think a lot of them do just come down to KD, and then to Draymond, and then to Curry, and then with Clay Thompson just kind of lurking there as this potential, just, if he has, like, a great game, I just don't know, what they, if, like, Clay Thompson hits, like, five threes, six threes in a game, I don't know what the Cavs do from there, that to me ends up just becoming a math game, I don't know if you can win.
0: Lots to unpack there, and I, I agree with a lot of it. Some I think that Curry is going to move away from guarding Kyrie. I'm not even sure they're going to start with it as the base, just because Clay has been so comfortable in this playoff so far guarding the other team's big threats. I mean, he w- he was the primary assignment for Gordon Hayward a lot of the time, and so mm-hmm. he'll probably draw Kyrie a lot. I don't think they want him on LeBron. You know, maybe at certain moments, but he'll be, I think they're going to be throwing like four or five different guys at LeBron over the course of the game, as many as they can credibly and do it that way, which, which would ideally be what Cleveland would do with both Curry and Durant. They just don't have the personnel. So I'm going to be fascinated to see all of those little micro lineups. And also, as we talked about before adjustments, like how quickly are either of these coaches going to be willing to move away from what doesn't work? Because... You're not going to have much time to react because these teams are so good that if they have an advantage for a half or for a game, they're probably going to win. Do you have a read? I mean,
1: you're because you're there more than me, and you're, I mean, you are just there and I'm not. Do you have a read on how much Curry's influence is still going to be there? Is Mike Brown like actually going to? end up coaching the whole series like do we sort of know where where Kerr's at
0: we don't know my assumption is that he will not he will not be on the sideline for the finals but he is still very present both kind of as a his voice is very present but also his tactical insight so he and Brown talk all the time he's still watching all the games he actually watched I'm trying to remember which game that was it was game one he watched of game one of the Spurs series from the locker room and talked with the team at halftime so like he can do some of those things he traveled with the team to San Antonio, but he's not on the sideline. And so I think there are elements of that, you know, the way that Kerr deals with the refs and the way that he can kind of do things on field to calm guys down and everything else. Like he's a special coach for a reason. But there are parts of this that Mike Brown actually could help, which is the idea that Kerr is very much, uh, Nate Duncan has used the phrase, Kumbaya Kerr, which I absolutely love. And the idea that he's very much about that idea of inclusiveness and, you know, next man up. And it, it's not just a regular season thing. It's an every, every second of every game thing for Kerr gets into some of the lineups that he played during the finals. Mike Brown is more in the vein of like a kind of an old school, like we want to play our best guys. And, if they can have the foundation laid by Kerr, but then add in the idea of actually, you know, like giving Draymond and Duran and Curry like 40 plus minutes, maybe even 42 plus minutes like Cleveland does with their guys, then maybe you can kind of in a, in a short term way get some of the best of both worlds. It's never going to be the same, but it could actually, it could work out in their favor, even if I'm not sure of it.
1: It's interesting contrast to the Cavs, because I think you, and he's, been, he's been asked about this a couple of times and. Kyrie and LeBron have both been asked about this. Lou is a very calming presence on the team. I think. Um, I, I think in a in a way that it best illustrates this is LeBron had a quote um, on. It came out on Sunday at shoot around, and he talked about it. But he said, I, "I quote, I just think it's his level of calmness no matter what's going on, he's always talks about. It. At the end of the day, he's already won in life. So whatever else happens after this is extra credit. And I feel the same way. I, that's why I'm able to relate to him so much. And I don't know if you've read." the mcmenamin Winhorse book, but there's just a point in that book where they talk about how Lou has this ability to call out LeBron, and he can kind of, I think, call out anybody in the locker room when they need it, and he just never gets really faced. Lou's not a guy that is going to panic if things go really bad, and I think for the Cavs, that's a, that's a big advantage, at least a big reason to have faith that they can at least make this series competitive. They know, and have the last few years, have had things go badly. 2015, you come in without Kevin Love, and you lose Kyrie Irving in game one, and you have to go with the Deli and Mazakov stuff the rest of the series. Last year, you go down 3-1. Kevin Love has a concussion. You come back from pretty you know, insane circumstances. A lot has to break right your way, but they were able to stay calm and kind of rebound from that. I, I think that is really important for the Cavs. I think them just having a guy that they know and they have faith in, I think ultimately ends up just mattering for them. I don't know how to quantify that. I don't know if you can functionally quantify that. But I, w- I wonder if that gives the Cavs an edge on the bench. Cause I, I don't think Mike Brown has done like a, like he hasn't done a bad job. Like he's done, he's not Kerr, like you said, but he's going to do things really well. Like he's going to at least get those best guys out there. And if you get Kerr's influence in there in some way, that helps too. But I wonder if just having Lou in this particular set of circumstances, which is really weird just because we haven't had the same coaching matchup in the three years these teams have faced each other. That's really bizarre considering it, it, that helps the Cavs in some way. I think it has to help that they just have the Lou there for them.
0: It's an interesting point and, and certainly possible that it ends up being, being a bigger factor. Um, I, I think that broadly speaking, you know, coaching is, is, it's a big it's a big thing, but a lot of it is on the margins, just in terms of the mm-hmm. talent. But the reason why I think Cleveland has a a real chance in this series is because they're really good. Like this is a Cleveland team that has three All Stars that has an undeniable offense when they're going. And as good as the Warriors' defense can be at times, Cleveland has been able to. You know, Cleveland's faced a, a that Boston team once they lost Isaiah. They were way worse offensively, but their their defensive lineup was formidable, and Cleveland kept on scoring on them. So I think there are a lot of reasons why this series will be close. But yeah, there could be moments where you know both teams are going to deal with a lot of stress and tension during this series that they haven't faced in months, maybe even since last finals. And so... Having Lou, if he is a kind of a calming presence, if he is a somebody who can help the team be confident, that could be a big advantage for them. And we'll we'll see. It might, you know, maybe that very well could swing a game in this series. Who
1: do you is the the X factor for Golden State? Like, who is the guy that if he plays really well, Cleveland's kind of screwed? Like, who's that guy for you?
0: Stephen Curry, because what Curry does as a, you know, Kevin Pelton wrote a nice piece about the. Ability and the danger of shooting off the dribble threes, and Curry is the poster child of that for a good reason. And if, especially if Lou wants to keep Kyrie on Curry for stretches of time, they're just going to plant him, not necessarily with screens. Like the Warriors don't do a lot of necessarily pick and roll, they actually don't run much, but they do a lot Mm -hmm. of off screen stuff. They do a lot of things that are kind of similar actions that don't really count, same DHOs and things of that nature. And so that was something we saw in the in the, a couple of different series this year. Was especially Mike Brown actually, where okay, if you're going to give us that advantage, then we're just going to use Zaza Pachulia and Draymond Green and just set nasty screens and force the other guy to come over. And that's the other part that makes it a real challenge if LeBron isn't on either of those matchups. Like Tristan is a spectacular switcher. I think he's underrated defensively partially because he's so good at that. But if the other guy that Pachulia, whoever else is on, if the other defender is Kevin Love, they're just going to run that a lot. And I I mean, granted, it, it worked at one of the most important times in modern NBA history last year. But I don't think that the Cleveland will be comfortable with that. And the other part is Kyrie dying on screens is important too because that he doesn't need Curry doesn't need that much space to get his shot off. Mm -hmm. So if he can play and while LeBron has been the best player in the playoffs so far, he's been spectacular offensively, defensively, he's been big. Curry has been the best that he has played since his injury, by far, has been during the playoffs. And it's gone under the radar because Golden State's only played 12 games, and only two or three of them have been close. But that is something to watch moving forward, is that if, if it's crazy to call... Like, I mean, I know a lot of people like the X-Factor to be this, like, hidden gem or something like that. But for the Warriors, the X-Factor in the series is the guy who's won the last two MVP awards.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong, though. I think, and it's, like, the same token for the Cavs. I think it's Kevin Love. Like, I think... Love has a very... He's had a great postseason. Like, I think he's been the most comfortable. I think he's been the most Minnesota-y that he's been, especially against Boston. I thought he had a really great series. And how they're using him is a little different. He's doing a really good job of being in the right spots when they're running on the break. And he's uh, being a trailer. He's he's rebounding just really, really well, which I think is big. And, he, and he's getting some, some ball movement. And he's worked on defense, I think. In the Boston series, you saw in the first time Boston attacked him in the pick and roll, him and Kyrie were able to contain Isaiah and push him into the corner. And that was, that was a win for the Cavs. If you have Kevin Love doing that, that's a win. Even if he's just working, at least if he's working and Kyrie is also just working, you can make that work. But he also just is facing a team that is just kind of built to make him have problems. Draymond Green is not someone Love, I think, is really going to have a lot of success posting up against. I I don't think there's anyone that's going to dispute that. I don't think, you know, I wonder if he can do well against JaVale. I think he can definitely do well against Zaza, but I wonder, I think early you may see the Cavs try to do something where they use Love in the pick and roll. They don't do that a lot. They haven't done that in the postseason as much. They've used it even less. But I wonder if they try to get Love in the pick and roll against Zaza and, and use Love in this way that is going to get him hitting JR or, or Kyrie or someone else for a shot or he's going to score against us or get or get a mismatch there. And I wonder if that's how they kind of utilize him um, and try to you know just try to do some of the off ball stuff that they done with LeBron, uh, Kyrie pick and roll. I wonder if they do a version of that to get love the right matches. And I wonder too it's risky because of how well he rim runs, but I wonder if they try to do the same thing with JaVale. because I think one of the th- one of the things that the Cavs could try to do is try to get Golden State so reliant on that that small Draymond at the five lineup or inversions of it that they don't play their bigs and then they tire them out. Like, I wonder if they try to do that. If it's, if it's something you take some of the lumps early and you try to wear on them and you manipulate those bigs, because I I do think you will see a lot of the Cavs attacking JaVale and attacking Zaza, particularly in the pick and roll.
0: Yeah, that's, it's going to, God, the series is going to be so much fun. Like I'm just really looking forward to it. And, and the, the fact that game one could look very different from game three, that could look very different from like game four or five is, it makes it even more fun. So, I think the next, the only, really the other thing we could talk about the series for another two hours if we wanted to. But I think, do you have a prediction at this point? I can. I'm happy to share mine.
1: Yeah, I th- I'm going Dubs in seven. Um, I think it could go anywhere from like Dubs in five if they just kind of click really well to. To dubs in six like I think I think Warriors winning is more likely to me I I think the Cavs can take it seven just because I think like you said LeBron has been unbelievable I think they're healthy and I think they're gonna just make it tough enough I think Golden State just wins out Um, and I think if the Cavs win I kind of wonder if they have to do it in like six I don't know if they I I just have a hard time seeing them winning in Oracle again but I think Golden State ultimately is just gonna cause problems for the Cavs that the Cavs are just gonna have a hard time answering there's going to be a breaking point for that, and I think it's going to be later in the series. It could be earlier in the series if, if they just end up being in god mode from game one and the Cavs just can't figure anything out, but I think ultimately the, the Golden State just kind of makes things a little too difficult for the Cavs to overcome, and we get a good series. We get a very competitive series at times with one or two blowouts, but I think Golden State ultimately just will overwhelm the Cavs at some point.
0: I think the Warriors are going to win the series. A lot of it is on the same logic as what you said. I'm going with 6 right now, but I think that Cleveland Cleveland's chances, maybe it's just, you know, being in the Barry and all that. I think their chances of winning the series are are underrated because it the margins between these teams are so tight that it won't take much to swing the series. And I'm not even talking like a Draymond suspension again or anything like that. But in terms of picking the winner, I fall back to the idea of kind of well, what do you want to take from last year's finals? And for me, there was a lot of non-representative stuff other than LeBron and Kyrie being undeniably amazing in the final three games of that series, but I think more to the 3-1 part of it. And you know, the Warriors were the better team for a majority of the series in that way. And you know, for the, for the first four games, I thought that they were better, even though Cleveland was awesome in one and two. And so I think that there's a lot to to do from that. And also when you think about, well, what's different from last year beyond the whole health part of it, which we talked about before, the Warriors swapped out Harrison Barnes for Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant really was acquired beyond acquiring him because he's an amazing player. He was acquired for this series and for the idea that he gives Cleveland challenges on both ends of the floor that they do have counters for. I mean, well, that LeBron James is the counter to everything, but it it stresses them in different ways. And so I think that the Warriors have some meaningful advantage in this series, but I have just so much respect for for the Cavs, top to bottom, and, you know, LeBron is still the best player in the world to me, and so I'm go- I am I, I think giving them six, you know, and, and acknowledging that they have a very real chance to win the series is giving them, it, it, I, that shouldn't be treated as a sign of disrespect, it's just that I think the Warriors are one of the best teams we've ever seen.
1: I think you're right about that, and I think, too, the, this is, on paper, the most talented le- team LeBron has had, around him since he came back. I, f- I think Darren Williams is just a really nice backup point guard for them. Um, you know, I think there certainly are some flaws in the roster, but I think with how well Kyrie's played of late, with how good Kevin Love has been this whole year, I, I think this is the best team LeBron has faced. It just ends up being, this is a Golden State team that, even if they didn't win as many games, even if certain metrics aren't as impressive, like, they have Kevin Durant, they have four of the best 20 players in the world. They f- and, like, what do you say about that? You know, like, what... What do you do about that? That doesn't indicate that this team is just incredible and on this other level. And I think that it's, if the Cavs can take them that far, you know, it's going to be disappointing for them, but that's an accomplishment in a sense in its own right. Yes, they're going to be bummed. Yes, you know, they'd rather, much rather win. And I think they do have a chance at winning. Um, and I think you're right that I think there is a lot of just assumption in certain areas that this is going to go one way. But I think you're like, right, I think Golden State is just incredible. And I think if the Cavs pull this off, It'd be, it certainly to me be probably LeBron's biggest accomplishment if he's able to lead a team to beating this Golden State team more so than three one last year, more so than winning his first title or whatever. I kind of think this would be the biggest feather in his cap.
0: It would be a legitimately special accomplishment, and and while Cleveland has spectacular talent, I mean Kyrie Irving is is incredible, undeniable at his absolute best. This is a different Golden State team, and this is going against, you know, going against a, a a great team. But we've seen Cleveland do it before, and we've seen them win not only last year, but I mean, the fact that they pushed it to six games in 2015, despite the talent disparity there, was massive too. So I, I'm just so excited for it and uh, look forward to talking about it with you, and thanks so much for taking the time. Of course, Danny, always. Thanks again to Chris Manning for taking the time. You can read him at Fear the Sword, you can listen to him at Locked on Cavs, and you can also follow him on Twitter at Rights. that's C-W-M-W-R-I-T-E-S going to do three preview episodes for this week and of course first one was just the one with Chris Manning second will probably be the one with Jim Barnett I already recorded that I think that's going to be Tuesday night Wednesday mornings episode and then I'm working on getting a third preview out there and then Thursday we actually have the game so that'll be exciting game one and then of course do a podcast on game two which is on Sunday so lots going on you can support the show by leaving a rating leaving a review in the podcast wherever you're choosing you can also subscribe download every episode it's certainly good things spread the word by word of mouth however you see fit and if you want to send any feedback good bad or indifferent danny larue nba at gmail.com at danny LaRue on twitter you can also check out my work on the athletic i will do a finals preview at some point haven't done it yet Figuring out how I want to work on it and then doing other material for Sports Illustrated and numerous numerous other places you know you know me. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale
1: of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.